Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to O-Face Wrestling. This is your host, JT, and today I'm joined by co-host Brianna, and I am joined by Matthew Palmer. So thanks for joining us today, Matt. Hey guys, no problem. Hey. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Matt, we are definitely honored to have you on the show today. So uh, me and Brianna, we both got three questions for you. Okay. So um, let's get to it. So I'm going to start, and it's the basic question you've probably been asked a million times but i haven't heard it so and brie hasn't heard so we both want to hear um so just in general what inspired you to become a professional wrestler uh, so it, it, it's it's hard to say because like it, it comes in different stages of my life when i was four i was introduced to wrestling because it just came on tv it happened to be like a, i think it was a bret hart british bulldog match or something like that i was four I was mesmerized by it, loved it, and then just became a fan ever since. But then later on, you know, high school and life gets to you. I ended up being like an assistant manager at a Wendy's for a while. And just, you know, the everyday life, just draining and stuff like that. And so I saw an advertisement for a local company called PCW, like the blandest name ever, Professional Championship Wrestling. And like they had a school that was run by uh, Lance Archer or Lance Hoyt. I can't remember what he, Vance or whatever, whatever his name is now, uh, at AEW. And uh, I was like, man, I'm tired of being 20 years old, assistant manager at a Wendy's. There's supposed to be more to life than this. I'm going to go chase this dream before I die because, hey, I'm five foot eight, vanilla midget. And I might as well give it a shot. I'm not going to last very long, you know? Uh, that turned in 15 years later. And so, and so um, that's basically it. Uh, but also during high school, I was, well, just in life, I was extremely shy. Like, like a little bit of a stammer, uh, just afraid to be around people, always angry. You know what I mean? So like then a friend introduced me to theater. It's like, hey, you want to do some theater? I was like, yeah, why not? Then I became a huge theater nerd. And I was like, oh, I'm not as shy anymore. Screw it. I'm going to go see if I can do this dream. Yeah. And I kind of did it. I still kind of wrestled. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that's it. That's what got me into in wrestling, you know. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely feel you there because, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. Throughout high school, I was very similar. I was extremely shy. Like, I, you know, I don't want to go as far as I was angry, but I was just, you know, I, I had gotten bullied a lot in middle school, so I kind of was like, I just did not care to socialize with a lot of people, and it kind of, like, still to this day, like, I kind of have a thing where, like, when it comes to, like, you know, people, it, it takes a lot for me to really open up, so it's like, I kind of know where you're coming from with that. Um, I wish... You know, when I was 20 years old, I would have thought maybe I should do something in professional wrestling, you know, because luckily for me, there's actually a training facility like 40 minutes away from me. So it's like, dang, I could have actually done something like that. But the fact that, you know, you did actually take a, you know, leap and, you know, do that, that's really awesome. And um, so I know Brianna's question for you is kind of, you know, similar to mine. So Brianna, do you want to share your question? Yeah, so, um, and to kind of come back from that, um, again, I can probably relate to the two of you in terms of, um, I don't want to say I was necessarily a shy person, but I was definitely known as being kind of aloof. I would be fairly shy until I got to know you, but I wasn't really like a loner, but I wasn't like one of the popular kids um and you know to do you one better Matt like 
you did theater in high school and then, like imagine you major in it in college so oh, I, did. I did did you <laughs> i did that's awesome okay so and I, I was like wow everyone's before like, i dropped oh. out i was like i'm just gonna do the acting thing <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Yeah, I did, so I did I, it while I was still wrestling for the first couple of years. I, I, uh, I it was part of like this very, very amateur troupe to where mm-hmm. we got this old box truck. It wasn't a U-Haul, but it was essentially for a moving company. And we would pull our stuff in there and we would go to various community theaters and nursing homes, just anything we could to do plays. And we'd find the cheapest plays we could. We'd direct ourselves. We'd build a, a little hammock from like the Luan materials and I'd sleep in the back of the truck because we couldn't afford hotels. Mm-hmm. And like, and like, it was, it was like I loved it. That was the coolest bohemian type I mean, lifestyle I ever that had. That is cool. That's actually really cool. Like, I, I, I think I did that one summer. Um, I didn't sleep in the van, but like, we, we just kind of did like little skits and everything. We didn't pay for it, but I'm glad that you know I have now met a a fellow thespian yeah. so that's actually really cool so some I can understand that that like shyness and and you know sometimes a little aggression and people saying hey you should do theater like do the acting thing and, and it feels like that's kind of like what there's a tie-in with the wrestling part so I could definitely understand how someone in theater um could get into wrestling and so hearing your story um to go back on to JT's question in mind um because i we kind of had the same question but mine was more um in your opinion was there like a specific moment uh you know in your career when you're starting out that you were kind of like this is going to be something i'm going to do more as a job as a career rather than just as a hobby like I feel like for a lot of people, you come into something and you have, you know, two choices. This can be something I do for fun or something I do for a paycheck and, and paycheck in the sense of like, I want this to be a career and I want this to be my life. Uh And I, I was just interested to know if maybe there was like a moment where it tipped to the career rather than the hobby. Well, it it goes back and forth because you can try to make it a, a career all you want, but you're at the mercy of people hiring you. And so like, I could, I could give you all the examples of me busting my butt trying to get better at everything about wrestling and wanting to make this a career. But if I'm not getting work, then it becomes a hobby real quick, whether mm-hmm. I want to or not. Um, so there, there were moments where I was working five, six times a week. My first few years, I was going to every show, whether it was a church show or somewhere out in the middle of nowhere or a halfway decent show that actually gets production, of, you know, a few thousand people. And so it's like, oh, there's, there's moments where like, oh, I can do this. Uh, this is totally fine. They're all hiring me left and right. Mm-hmm. And then they don't. <laughs> so, so like it can be like, oh, this is a great career. I got a chance, and then all those companies closed out. It's, it's always like an audition. Like, yeah, it's 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 always an audition. There's always no one ever has any money in wrestling. You know what I mean? Like the promoters, they're like, I can give you thirty bucks, and then you can try to sell as many shirts as you can. Basically, you're you're basically waiting tables. You get paid very low amount of money, and then you're hoping. Mm-hmm that they like you enough for your job that you have to get other people to support you. And so that's indie wrestling in a nutshell. 
It's like mm. every one day is like, oh, I get paid a thousand dollars for a booking. Well, maybe. You know, I mean, like that's always that's always the goal. But if you think of it like it's a career at all times, uh, then you got a chance of thinking. Then you got a chance of making like a career. If you're always thinking like a hobby, you're. I don't think you're ever going to make a career out of. And so I always try to think of it like a career, like it's the show respect to it because you're, there's a lot of people's lives at risk every time you're in the ring. Uh, we are shortening our lifespan to begin with. And so do you want to shorten your lifespan, your health for a hobby? Or do you want to do it for something that you hope to God one day somebody can pay, it, pay you for it? So my mindset was always like a career. Even now, I'm slowing down, I'm getting older, health things are starting to come up because, you know, it's life. Um, and so like, yeah, I still have to think of it like a career. So like, I like, Oh, I'll just gonna wrestle once every month or once every now and then it's like, that's, that's a hobby. But when you think of it like that, you have a tendency to pull back and not show as much respect to what you're doing in there. And so there wasn't a particular moment. It was just me always thinking this is, this is it. This is my life. This is what I want to do. I want to be paid for this. So I have to think like that. Hmm. You know, it's a mentality that's very interesting. Yeah, and that's uh, that's not like the way you should always think. That's just what's in mind. Right. Other people are probably like, "Oh, I just do it as a hobby, and I'm just so great. People pay me a lot of money. I mean, that's cool for them." <laughs> so. Yeah, because yeah, like that's something I never really thought about. Like, because I've never, and I've always kind of wondered, but I know it's like none of my business. Like, how much like you know some of these indie wrestlers get paid, but then I I never thought about like the whole like merchandise aspect. Like, I know a lot of wrestlers, you know, they do that, and I, you know, and, and when you had mentioned, I'm thinking like, yeah, that's actually kind of true. Like, because I um when I went to an indie event like a few months ago, back before COVID happened, you know, it was um it wasn't a lot of people there. And I know one of the wrestlers that were there, she was one of kind of like the upper tier, you know, indie wrestlers and she looked very upset. Like, and you get, now I, now I kind of understand why. Cause it's like, you know, she's at this indie event not a lot of people. You're not going to sell a lot of merchandise. But then when I saw her again, a month later at a indie event and it was booming there and she had the biggest smile on her face, you know, she looked like, you know, she just won a million bucks. Like, and it's like, yeah, because you know, these wrestlers, you know, they're going out there, they're busting their butt. They may or may not be getting paid a lot, you know, by the, you know, promoter. So it's like, yes, they do really rely on, you know, these um, merchandise being sold, which is like why I personally, every time I go to an indie event, I always support, you know, my favorites. I will buy their eight by tens over and over, obviously a different picture every time, but it's like, you know, I definitely am really big on supporting the indies and trying to help them out. Cause you know, you've got to appreciate, you know, cause like you mentioned, you know, you may be booming for a year or two when it comes to getting promoted. And then, you, you know, cause you don't have that guaranteed contract with a company where you're getting paid regardless of what's going on. You, rely on you know if or if they want to book you you know if these companies don't do well they may because you may have a company that really likes you but if they go out of business then guess what you got to find another one that really likes you so it's 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 always tricky and i've i've asked a few wrestlers like just like the challenges of actually getting bookings lists like do they come to you do you go to them and basically from what i heard it's kind of a little bit of both you know sometimes yeah. so is like I know it wasn't like a planned question of mine, but just like kind of like what are the challenges when it comes to getting bookings? Like, do you feel like that you have to reach out a lot, or do you kind of like wait for them? I it's it, it's it's weird um, because not a whole lot of people know me. You know what I mean? I'm not no one no 
Like that's why it's weird when like, oh hey, I'm a fan. It's like, that's insane. Can't believe even somebody <laughs> even saw my match. Uh, but I used to go out and try to get the bookings. And then I started like kind of getting the feel. It's like it's al- it's alphabet soup out here. There's always gonna be a new place with a whole bunch of different initials representing wrestling. The goal is just to entertain people. So if I can just entertain people, I don't care what the letters are, I don't care how much they pay me. I know the money will come because the promoter is not going to be the part where I get all the money. It's the fans. Like it's, it's serving tables. Like you showed up, you saw your, you saw that wrestler on a Monday night shift. No one's out there. And then you came back on a Friday night shift and all the tables are filled. It's like, sweet. I get to pay rent this week. You know, that's all it is. Mm -hmm. And so when you see a whole crowd, just know the guys in their back are like, Oh, thank God I can take all those head bumps and I can, I can risk concussions and injuries but damn it, I could pay the electricity bill. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, like, um, so like, yeah, sometimes the promoter will come to you because you did well in other jobs. It's like, hey, I got this role for you. I think you'd be great for it. I think you're a good fit here. And other times I'll hit up these people because, hey, I'm tired of working for this company that's paying me 30 bucks. I hear you can raise it up to 75. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so like, So yeah, it's a give and take. It's always it's always a hustle. Um, lately, I've stopped trying to reach out just because it's like eh, after 15 years, <laughs> it's just like like they, they even though find, you don't exactly. It's like a 15. It's like do you think Gary Oldman acted for 15 years and then still had to keep like going and hitting up directors for casting, or do they like hey, I think Gary Oldman would be great for Serious Black. Cool, he's hired. You know, it's like. Right. And so, like, at some point, you got to look at it going, like, it's been 15 years. Either I am good enough for people to call me, or I'm not. And yeah. so, I don't think I'm good enough for people to call me. <laughs> so, I don't think that's so, true. Yeah, I think you're selling yourself a little short here. Yeah. And, that, and maybe that's silly. I'm, I'm sure some other wrestler would hear this and, and, and argue that fact. But Well, I think also you have to consider that, you know, it, it, wrestling really, ha- I mean, it it's so there's so many companies there's so many people it's like and i'm not trying to like i guess defend those people that are gonna call you back but at the same time i mean like where where do you even start like i don't even think it's a thing of talent i think it's just like you know who who's who's making the most noise right now who's making the most controversy who can be higher like and I think that kind of happens across the board of like, you know, take it as if you're a YouTuber or something like it's hard because you have that barrier of entry. It's like you got all the top folks that are, that are making all the content, getting all the views. If you're kind of just you're good at what you do, but it's like, where do you fit in all the noise? You know, I think it may not even be a wrestling thing. And, you know, I know some really talented wrestlers and people that like I rarely see on TV signed with big companies and you know it's just kind of like if there are so many people that are signed with you know all these big companies that I think are so talented like I can only imagine how many are you know in the indie scene or who do it like as a hobby who are who probably are amazing at it and it's just I, I, I don't know maybe where the disconnect is you know I so it's just it's something that I, you know, I was thinking about when you were talking about it. It's that, you know, it's not like it's kind of like a 15-man show and they're just not calling back the 14th guy. It's like you're, you're up against, like, just thousands and thousands of people. And 
it's not, I don't even think it's a matter of talent. I think, you know, in terms of what I've seen of you, talented, but there's so many people that are just not getting the opportunity. And I think that's like a totally different conversation to have, like, that would probably take us forever, but. Yeah, like it's 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 a philosophy subject, and like mm-hmm. there's never a definitive answer on that kind of stuff. I've always told people, like, because I, um, my wife and I run a, a training school, or at least it's halted right now because of COVID. But like, mm-hmm. I try to tell them it's it's about entertainment. It's like if you can't draw a reaction from the crowd, then it means nothing. Yeah. It's it's the difference between the Avengers movies and just a regular movie. You can do all the cool moves in the world, but they only remember specific moments that made them jump out of their seats in a, in a setting where you're supposed to be quiet and people are jumping out of their seats. And it's not because they did a cool move or they did some, it's because they found their little niche in that mm-hmm. movie and people were drawn to it. It's like Captain America picking up a hammer. It's not because he did a shooting star press or he did anything like that. It's because he built up that moment he picked it up and people lost their minds. If you can find your place in your wrestling company or wherever company where you can make that moment for you, then they'll bring you back. Mm. And if they don't bring it back, then they're, they're terrible casting directors and then somebody else will do it. I mean, that's, that's the way I've always seen it. So as long as you can draw a reaction from the crowd, even if it's a dead silence, there's a difference between dead silence because you're bored and dead silence because you're speechless. Yeah. Those reactions from a trained wrestler, when you hear it, you're like, I got them. I got them. And so even if you could do that in your 30 second, oh, bye, Brie. Even if you can do that in your 30 30 second spot that you have on the show, then you're a great character actor. Yeah, you're not the lead of the movie, but you made that movie better. And a smart booker, a smart casting director would see that going like, I need him. And what he did in 30 seconds to make me feel something, I need him to feel And that's the way it should be run. However, when you start looking at numbers and analytics, you want, well, I feel like I'm echoing You want people that will just always be celebrities. You want everyone to be a star, everyone. And then boom, 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 they're shoving everything in your face. Look at all these amazing people. And yeah. the beautiful character actors that can be in there. You, you miss, you miss all the uh, supporting cast that can make your show so much better. And that doesn't mean you're a jobber. That doesn't mean you're enhancement talent. That means that you are able to draw an emotion that other people can't get. Because this is theater. The wrestling ring is the stage. It's a theater and a round. And so when you're acting, you can do the uh, I don't know a lot of the mind or a Midsummer Night's Dream. It doesn't matter if they're small. You'll get more work if you're good at your role. And so a lot of people forget that. And I feel like I went on a tangent, and I'm sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, no problem. I, 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 I agree 100%. Like, and, I, and again, like to your point, I don't think it's talent. Sometimes you can be really talented, and it's just the way of the world, where things are, who you are, what you look like. It, so I think there are so many factors. It would just kind of be – it would it would probably be depressing to kind of have to think about like what is it that I don't have what is it that I need to have and like have to answer those questions that have so many different answers depending on who you ask and mm-hmm. so I mean totally there's a, it's all it's all great advice 
uh, from anyone is that you know which one applies to you. Mm-hmm. There's no textbook, like no accredited wrestling school. It's just a bunch of people who did the job and are now trying to train you. It's like, this is what I did. This is what I did right. This is what I did wrong. Go out there and good luck. I taught you how to do the tango. Now go tango with everyone in the world. <laughs> yeah, so like I feel like like when you were talking about all it, it's kind of like at the end of the day, it's being able to uh, tell a story in the ring. Like you, can, like you said, you could be the best wrestler in the world, but you need to be able to you know, make the crowd feel like they're watching, like, a good story, and, and that's what really draws, you know, the crowd into the match, like, we want to, like, kind of, like, I'll use, like, Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels during that retirement match, that that was a good story, like, it was the whole, you know, older wrestler who still thought he had it, and, you know, Shawn Michaels is, well, you know, they're basically, or it was, it was Vince McMahon was kind of basically saying, hey, like, you know, no, like, you know, you're done, like, we need to put you down, and it's just, like, the story at the end of the day is, like, you know, one of the most important factors, and some people don't, you know, some people don't realize that, but when you're invested into the storyline, and when a wrestler can do that with the crowd, you know, that's what, you know, draws the crowd, and that's what, you know, really gets wrestlers over, because, like I said, when it comes to wrestling, you know, like she mentioned, there's, I, when I got into the indie wrestling, you know, later in 2019, I never knew how many companies they were. I never knew how many indie wrestlers are. The, the wrestling industry is huge, you know, and, you know, if you're just a straight, like, WWE fan, you really don't know outside of, you know, WWE and how just big this industry is and how many people are there out there to do it. You need to be able to have that thing about you that makes you and stand, makes you stand out. And, you know, one of the biggest things is your character, storytelling, and all of that. So, just, you know, that is just one of the most important things. And as a fan, like, that's what I look for. Like, when it it comes to what draws me to a wrestler, it's, you know, the story and how they draw me personally, you know, like, too. Like, um, and it goes both ways, too. You know, for me, like, it also goes, you know, my experiences meeting the wrestlers and interacting with them, you know. Um, when I went to a lot of my indie events and I met these wrestlers too and just seeing them and just interacting with them too and how they interact with you kind of helps you them you know you or you know they then draw you to them and all that kind of stuff so I mean that's just my experiences and you know what kind of helped me get drawn to the wrestlers as well so good point so you asked the last question right Bree? I did so okay <laughs> so now I mean, for my... you don't have to just do three if, if you're worried about me I don't, that's as many as you want I don't care. okay yeah we just didn't want to we didn't know how much time you had we wanted to make sure oh, that no. we got three key questions so for my next question I have for you now this is a non-wrestling related question so what about you that's non-wrestling related that you would want people to know about you that's something that you're very passionate about outside of theater because I know we already talked about that well, honestly, nothing. You know, you know what I mean. Uh, if I can tell people, oh, and and this is stuff that anybody that watches a stream or knows. Oh, I love tabletop gaming. I love D and D. I like to paint my minis every now and then, and that's it. Like the only thing I want anybody to know about me is the wrestling character I present, because it's not me turned up to eleven. It never is, because this is my private. Life. I don't want you talking to me in my private life. I don't want I don't want to interrupt you in your private life. 
I just want to entertain you the best I can and then come home and relax. So like, I don't need to tell people any like, look how great I am at this other thing. It's like, no, I just, I want to entertain you. That's it, man. That's, that's it. Um, so there's, there's nothing interesting about me that makes me exceptional. I'm just a regular guy trying to be a thespian still. <laughs> so like, that's, that's all, that's all it is. So like, there's nothing, there's nothing interesting about my personal life and I kind of like that. <laughs> so like, I mean, I'll be honest, I think the, you know, D&D thing's actually kind of interesting. That's something I've always been wanting to get into, but unfortunately, like, I don't have any, like, you know, friends who are, like, you know, a geek like I am, so it's like I never had the opportunity to learn it. Like, how challenging is it to learn that for the first time? It's not. It's just improv, honestly. Uh, I mean, somebody could hand you the sheet, this is your character, these are your guidelines, and here's a bunch of maths. Ignore the math. Just look at the general directions that you're given. Okay, there's your bonds, your flaws, uh, and just embrace them and make them a character. And you can you can choose those things. So like, if I choose a character who's like a goody two shoes paladin, but his flaw is that he always has to be in charge, then I could easily become the bad guy for a moment, and still be human and not be evil. Like that's a fun thing to do, and if you all play it out, it's great. It's just it's a couple hours of improv, and uh, in your head there's some dragons flying around. So what? You know what I mean? So that, that's that's all it is. And then like there's some math. Who cares? I mean, you roll some dice, you add some stuff up. That that always intimidates people. It's like ignore that, ignore that. It's about the improv. It's about it's about creating a scene with a group of people who aren't afraid to not be themselves for a minute. And usually people get self-conscious because there'll be one or two people who don't want to delve that deep into it. But they're the people that should be, you know, embarrass themselves. You're, you can't embrace a new character. You can't try a little bit. And so it's, it's a lot easier than people think. You just pick it up and just act. Even if it's bad, you just act. It seems like a lot of imagination into it because I would always see scenes from like the Big Bang Theory and how they would get into it and all that kind of stuff. Like this seems so fun, but for whatever reason, I thought it just seemed like a very complicated game, which always kind of discouraged me on learning it too because I I get frustrated very easily when it comes to learning new things. Yeah, it, it, it can be complicated if you are a stickler about sticking to the rules as strict as possible. But like like any game. I mean, it's a game. Have fun with it. Make up your own rules. Who cares? Just have fun with it. Just embrace the art of improv is all it is. That's all any tabletop role-playing game is. It's role-playing. So. Right. I remember um, before, you know, the whole COVID thing, I was getting some people together so we could play um, Harnbringer. And Harmbringer is a tabletop game that's kind of like D and D. It's de- it's one of those, um, you know, you, you paint. You have like your minis. You can paint them, create them however you want to. You get like a whole sheet. Um, you explain, you know, your your flaws, your uh, perks. You would be like it, it's like here's here's a whole template on how to create your own character and you follow the Harmbringer story. And we were really, and you know, I was actually like getting into it. They had like a Kickstarter online and it's, um, you know, and I'm watching people play it. It's definitely that it's definitely 
who can you get together with who isn't afraid to, you know, be themselves and, you know, who can be silly, who can, who can, you know, just get into the moment. It's very, it's very, you know, it's improv, it's theater. Like Matt said, I mean, it's, it's, that's exactly what it is. If you can find like a couple of people that are not afraid to, um, use their imagination and play along and feed off of each other and, and work off of each other. It's really, it looks, you know, really fun and it looks very engaging. Um, and it does help you think critically on your feet. You know, what's my next move based off of, you know, what the person before me or the person after me does. So hopefully when things kind of die down, I'll be able to kind of get into that, um, D&D was also like one of those things I was like I probably would really enjoy this if I had enough friends that were like interested in doing it that lived it fairly close to me and I did actually I'm actually friends with um, one guy who who does who's into that and so you know I'm always asking him like you know how do I get started and, and you know who like who do you play with what conventions do you go to um because as a big magic the gathering player i was like going to a lot of card shops and doing that same thing and i see you smiling because you know what i'm talking about um well I I, i'm smiling because a friend of mine who is my current dm tried mm-hmm. to teach me magic the gathering and i got i didn't stick with it long enough to remember it so every time i play i feel like i'm relearning it. it's like oh this is cool i'm just i'm just getting wiped out and i was like Oh, it's great. I don't know what's happening. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely land. something. <laughs> yeah, they, they come out with new packs all the time, so it's like it changes up the game. And it's like any other like video game that you play that's mm-hmm. like a multiplayer or like online world. Um, once a new patch comes out or a new, you know, something, you know, gets nerfed or buffed, it kind of changes the whole aspect of yeah. how you play. So um, that's basically magic. Oh, I, I I play it all the time, and by all the time I mean once every month. And <laughs> yeah. by that time the month comes back around, I'm I'm still asking my buddy Steve. I was like, "All right, what can I? What can I? Here's my cards. What can I do?" <laughs> just like, yeah, he's like, "Okay, here's here's." He's basically playing himself, and I'm just this dummy holding a bunch of cards. Like, can I lay down this twelve twelve thing? He's like, "No, you don't have enough mana." It's like, "What the hell's mana?" It's like the land. It's like, ah. It's how right. you do your spells. It's not <laughs> it's like, like health. That's right. I it's forgot. The other ones. It's the blue one. Your health is the red one. So. Yes. <laughs> wow. I feel so lost here because I know nothing about this. See, Bree, we need to get the O-Face squad in here and we need to send some and so we, like virtual playing video games and all that kind of stuff is like now a thing on Zoom. So we need to yeah. get all willing to do that. That's something that I think we would probably do well with um with the you know if you had like an old face gaming podcast where we we live stream stuff like that like um that'd be something i would be definitely interested in because okay be- you're gonna run that you're gonna run that section of the the old face thing because I, I already got enough on my table <laughs> with, with the wrestling part <laughs> good yeah yeah you should totally oh. um, play games do you have a favorite video game, Matt? I, on the topic. I, I don't know. I have one that I play more than any other, but I don't know if it's my favorite as much as it's just like, here's a quick game, but it's like Civilization Revolution. And mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just the console version of the stream, streamlined version of uh, Civilization. And uh, my wife got it for me back in, 
I don't know, I think 2014, 2015, when she was in Florida and I was still in Texas and uh, for a few months, I was like, here, play this game. And so I just play it all the time. But as far as like favorite games, probably Fallout New Vegas is one of my favorite games. I just, I love the open world. I wish they'd redo it so I could, it, it would feel like a more lived in world, but like all the options you get and like the way society can be changed on a whim. Mm. I was just, I, I really liked it. I liked, I liked a lot of the Fallout games, um, like Fallout 3, New Vegas, and Fallout 4 are basically the ones I like the most. Uh, I love Red Dead Redemption 2. That's oh, great. Too. I, I love playing a game where it, it doesn't force you, but it, it makes you take time to appreciate that lifestyle because it's, it's, it's more like a role-playing game than, ow, sorry, my cat's scratching on my leg, than it really is. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like those. I just got done playing Last of Us 2. And it's, I, I feel like it's one of the most beautiful games I've ever played. Didn't really care for uh, the direction of the game, the way it went. But as far as like watching creators choose a radical idea and going with it and, and following through, I appreciated it. And I was like, they didn't water anything down. They just like, this is the direction we're going, like it or not. And I was like, okay, I appreciate that. I like playing those kind of games. That was fun. So yeah, I don't have a definite favorite but i lean towards new vegas and civilization revolution cool that's really interesting to know if you really like those games uh i would make a suggestion for the outer worlds oh i played it i liked outer worlds i did yeah. i love that game so much the and i love red dead too the first person viewer i didn't like the first person because it gives you all these options to like change your stuff that's true look cool it was the same with far cry 5 mm -hmm. it gives you all these options to like wear these things and look this way, but you never see what your character looks like. So what's That's the true. Cat that is true. So like, <laughs> that, was, that was a little irritating, so I didn't really care for it as much as I would the other games. The other, uh, was it Obsidian? That we made, uh, yeah, that was Obsidian. Yeah, and New Vegas. But hopefully they're coming out with a DLC this, hopefully this year. Just hope and pray, maybe maybe that'll be something that they add. I know a lot yeah. of people had that same kind of complaint about that game. So, yeah. Yeah. I've always had a hard time getting into, like, open world games because they're usually very long. And I'm very impatient, so I typically prefer the games that are very short. Like, I did put in well over 100 hours on Fallout 3 back when I was in high school. But mm -hmm. when I got – I did get Fallout New Vegas, and I just did not play a lot of it. I just – you know, just that I had a job at the time. I just didn't have the time. And, uh, you know, but I know, like, for me, like, the most recent game I was really playing a lot was Resident Evil 3, the remake. I, you could beat that game in an hour and a half. So that was, like, perfect for me. Hour and a half? I do want to get The Last of Us. I think I'm buying that tonight since I'm, you know, got paid. I really, I've been hearing so many negative things about it though. I'm just kind of getting worried. It's been seven years or something like six or seven years since the first one came out there. It has a lot of high expectations, but the graphics and all, it looks beautiful. Mm -hmm. That game came out in, when the first one came out, I can't remember. It was like 2012, wasn't it? It was June. I was wow, okay, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. And like I, I, I won't go with my critiques on, on, or deeper with my critiques on the game. I mean, give it your own thought because, like, like with any art platform, people are gonna bitch and moan about it. But maybe you like that one specific movie. Maybe that's your guilty pleasure. Maybe that's your game. 
Mm-hmm. So, and so give it a shot. You know, yeah, you lose some money, but I mean, you lose money on everything trying it out for the first time. So exactly. I mean, people bash Resident Evil Six, and I actually loved it. So I mean, I have hope that I will like it. So we'll just have to see. But yeah, just because, like you said, just because someone doesn't like it doesn't mean I, you know, feel the same. We all have our different opinions on it. So yeah, I, I have a feeling I like it. You know, I just. I, I just I, I was expecting to hear ten out of ten ratings. This is the best game of the year and all that stuff. And I'm just hearing, but at the same time, we are in that era where people like to complain a lot, mm-hmm. so it's hard to take it seriously. So we'll just have to see what it goes. How many how many popular TV shows and movies and games that get those stellar ratings that you end up hating? You know, so I love Game of Thrones. It was one of my favorite shows of all time. And then, you know, the the longer it went on, the more I started hating it you know i was like this is my favorite show and i started hating it and it still is considered one of the most hated shows of all time all this money yeah that was a great show i didn't i didn't hate the ending but i felt like it was just rushed he went from normal to the mad queen in like two episodes so it was kind of like that's always that's always the biggest problem uh people have is that even I actually called that years prior uh, when my wife was like, because she's a huge Danny Targaryen fan. I'm like, screw her. It's Stannis Baratheon all the way. Let's go Stannis. He burned his daughter. Who cares? (laughs) 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 Just to be sarcastic. He didn't do it in the books, so he's fine in my (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, And, like, I I understand uh, those character choices, and I understand, like, the time frame maybe didn't match up. But at the same time, the and this is crude saying, I don't know any other way of saying it, like just the sheer balls that the creators had to do to be like, we're doing this. People are going to hate it. F them. I mean, we got to choose a direction, right? Right. A million characters. They can't all be alive. They can't all be heroes. And so like, we all loved Anakin Skywalker when he was a kid. Well, we loved Anakin Skywalker when he was a kid. <laughs> He's going to be Darth Vader. We knew that. What happens if you didn't know the outcome beforehand and you got to watch that kid grow up to be Darth Vader? So you got to see that Danny. You got to see her grow up and be the Mad Queen. We all we had all of our hopes in you. What did you do? Well, we gave a single person a lot of power. Same thing that happens in real life. You gave them a lot of power and they couldn't handle it. Oh, well, this guy had a better story. He should be king. It doesn't make sense that Bran's king. It's like, yeah, that's politics, man. So it, like, it wasn't, they, they, they forgot the fantasy element. They made it very realistic and people hated that. But at the same time, you look at that going like, yeah, they made choices. They made their choices and it reflects their society. I mean, their whole society was crap. So it makes sense. I just didn't like it. <laughs> you know? Right. And that's your, and that's your truth. You, you're like, you're allowed to not like things. People are allowed to, to, as a majority not like the direction that something has gone mm-hmm. you know and, and like the same thing with this with the star with the star wars um you know the last three mm-hmm. like um you know i live in a household with a man that's like vehemently hating those three movies me personally i like i don't necessarily hate the last Jedi. i i did not hate Rise of Skywalker, um, and ter- were they my top in my top three? Absolutely not. But you know, it's, 
things have to end at some point and I think that's also part of why people sometimes don't like things when you know when things have to come to an end and it's not the way they thought it was going to be and this is how I saw it in my mind it's like they set expectations for things but they're not the director they're not the writer they can't necessarily say you know and then you know also the nostalgia part of it like I realize I've lived in like a decade where like so much media has been started and ended um like Red Dead Redemption 2 um and like the end of the Star Wars thing like a lot of stuff came to end in this year and I think you know when you when you put nostalgia in the mix of things where people remember oh you know this was how the star wars movies were before and now they're this way and i'm not used to it so i don't like it yeah. so there's a I lot mean, of different aspects to think about and i've always considered star wars my guilty pleasure mm-hmm. it, it seems weird to people that you would say star wars is a guilty pleasure but if you look at it objectively it's it's not great I mean, go and watch every movie. Like, they make you feel these things, and it gets away with being these half-ass acting moments and shit like that. It's just that they were the first. They were the first true epic of that level, and so people loved them. But, like, the acting wasn't that great. I mean, seriously, go back and watch every Anakin Skywalker character. Every uh, Mark Hamill wasn't great yet. He was still cutting his teeth. Like, he was... I wish he was like twenty. He was like in his early twenties. Yeah, Harrison movie. Ford was just the same character he was in American Graffiti. I mean, he's just—he was still learning how to act. They're still new, and so like you look at it going like, "This isn't great, but it's got a whole bunch of special effects and a bunch of stuff that's cool. It's got spaceships. Didn't have that ten years prior. You know what I mean? You could see the right. fish line on the, you know, plan <laughs> nine from outer space. Yeah. <laughs> so like. Like that, it gets away with a lot of stuff like that. And so when people complain, like, oh, they ruined Star Wars, it's like, I don't know, man. It's a space opera to begin with about one specific family when there's literally trillions of people in the universe and we're focusing on these three guys. I mean, like, right. eh, eh. <laughs> so like, yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. And this is coming from someone that, like, I, I have only recently in the last month watched all of the Star Wars. Like, yeah. I had not watched them before. Um, you know, I finished, right? I, I did this weird thing where I started with The Force Awakens. I saw Last Jedi, and then I saw um, Rise of Skywalker. And then I was like, hey, we have Disney Plus now. Let me go, like, watch, you know, the old ones to see, like, what the big, you know, problem is. What Like, what's the deal? Why do people hate, like, the new ones so much? And to be honest, I, like, when re-watching them, I'm just kind of like you guys are kind of upset about some of the things that like it's kind of hypocritical and it's coming from someone that doesn't have that nostalgia thing in it i'm like watching this objectively and i'm thinking you guys are mad at ray because ray was handed everything but i'm like anakin kind of was handed a lot too in a lot of ways and no one really is upset with that like this kid's just he was born great and became evil that's the only real difference it's like Ray was kind of like born good and was given everything. People hate her. I so it's like it's part of me that I I think about stuff like that and I'm just like there's no nostalgia clouding it. So I'm like watching things and I'm just like Star Wars is good, but 
I don't think it's like the best thing I've ever seen. The lore for me is the most interesting part of it. But for me, I, that's all how I've been for everything. I like the lore of anything more than I like like the actual medium. I'm like object, you know, digesting at the time. <laughs> I, I agree. Like I would, if I watch YouTube videos, which I do frequently now, uh, mm-hmm. it's always like, oh, here's the lore of Fallout. Here's the lore of Star Wars. That seems right. so interesting. Trying to create a world that feels lived in more than it does following the narrative of these specific characters to me because the potential's there. We enjoy the potential of the first movies. That's why sequels always fail regardless if they're great. And I say fail, I mean critically, not like monetarily. It's because mm-hmm. we see the potential of the first season of True Blood. And we're like, this is great. And then they make a, a decision that we're going to go in this direction and people are like, oh no, you could have gone this direction. It would have been great. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's the problem you face is that you have to go a direction you see all that potential get wasted and you have to accept it you know that's the problem a lot of people have they see the first part of anything and like this is gonna be insane this is gonna be incredible mm-hmm. oh they're just gonna give this girl all the powers okay well you can see that as a negative or you can see that as like they're gonna give all this girls the po- this girl the power let's Let's fucking see what's going to happen, you know, rather than like go with an open mind. And that's the problem a lot of consumers have in the entertainment world is that they cannot go into an open mind because I want you to follow my idea I have in my head. Tell me what that idea is. I don't know, but I want you to do <laughs> this. Yeah. I can't do that, buddy. So I got to come up with the idea in my head because I created the damn thing. So here's, here's the direction I'm going. Yeah, I mean, someone's potential, you know, one person's trash is another potential because, like, people can, you know, you see this on Reddit all the time where people are like, you know, I like this idea, this is how I feel like this idea should go for this show, and someone's like, no, that's trash, here's how we could do it, and it makes sense, and, like, you can't, you know, we're going round robin at this point, but, like, you know, you can't please everybody, so you gotta go in one direction, and... Just hope that that's not going to, like, kill the franchise or hurt yeah. you, hurt your career. So, Yeah. <laughs> that's entertainment. That's the entertainment industry right there. Right. <laughs> you hope you hope your uh, creative outlets don't ruin you. <laughs> so, yeah. right, so I went on, we went on a tangent about, yeah, I'm sorry. We did. We're sorry, Jay-Z. <laughs> no, it's fine. We're geeking out. I love it. I, I, you know, and Bree, you were supposed to text me and talk to me about stars when you watched them all, so I'm kind of disappointed in you now. We can, talk, was, we can talk about it. We can talk about it now. I need to rewatch watch Force Awakens. I can't remember it, what happened in there. But. I want to start rewatching them, too. Like, I remember Good. enjoying the original three, which was, what, four through six. Um, growing up, and I tried rewatch them in high school, and I just couldn't get into it. This is after episodes one through three came mm-hmm. out. I want to watch the originals again. I could not get into them to save my life. Episodes one through three were my all-time favorite. I feel like they were the most action-packed of the trilogy, and that's what I like. I love action, and of course, you know the Darth Maul versus um, Obi Wan, and I forgot the other guy's name. Bogdan. Yeah, that was like my all-time favorite. It's a shame that I know that. <laughs> I don't know why but, um, I don't his name for some reason. Yeah, I, I, I'm horrible with names, but yeah, like the one through three is my all-time favorite. I love them. I I really enjoyed the most recent trilogy as well. Um, and I thought the ending was actually pretty interesting. I, it wasn't as good as I thought it would be, but I did actually like the whole idea. I think Palpatine. I think that's his name. 
Mm -hmm. back yeah I thought that was actually a really interesting you know idea a lot of people I didn't really see many theories about it you know so I thought that was um a really cool one like how did you all feel about him you know coming back I thought it was okay I mean I mean you're you're told through multiple episodes that Anakin Skywalker is going to be the chosen one he's going to bring balance and you're you're told you, you already know he's he's the bad guy right he's he's one of the most iconic bad guys ever so you have this heel that you already are t saying he's the bad guy. Now I'm going to show you as the babyface kid and watch you watch his turn. And so like that, that hits home. But when you bring back the original bad guy, it sacrifices his turn back into a good person for at least a moment. And like he, okay, yeah, he brought balance to the force. He killed off the bad guy, sacrificed himself. And a small amount of redemption, he accomplished it. So when you bring back the original bad guy, you kind of ruin that story arc. But you still have the potential to use him to still bring balance. It could be like, well, that was just the second chapter. That wasn't the ending. This is the ending here. Him as the Force Ghost, or him as this, and this is that. And I think they missed the ball with that when they brought Palpatine back. I feel like I would have enjoyed a Kylo Ren adopting a, a more fanatic take and just embracing the evil rather than having him turn and be the goody two-shoes with this girl. And I feel mm -hmm. like you don't have, because Luke Skywalker is a boring character. Go watch the first couple episodes uh, or episode four and five. He's a boring character, but we love him because he's fighting this true evil in Darth Vader and Palpatine. He's a regular guy. He's like me, just a boring regular dude but this, this evil here is so powerful that you're like, I don't care who the good guy is. I am cheering for him. Mm -hmm. And you don't have that at the other end because you have a zombie lich uh, Palpatine come back for the dead. And you're like, well, I already saw him get his ass kicked. You know, I don't, he's not that big of a threat. I saw this half robot cyborg 80 year old man throw him off a balcony. <laughs> so like, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't care. And so like, oh, now Ray's going to fight him. All right. <laughs> well, I would rather watch Kylo Ren beat the hell out of everyone and slowly just go crazier and crazier and crazier. What happens in D&D, &D, you have these different uh, alignments. It's like lawful evil, neutral evil, chaotic evil. Palpatine's like lawful evil. He runs everything to like the letter. You need everything organized like this. He's the, he's the true bad. What happens when it's somebody who's so chaotic, insane, in charge of everything? That's, you don't see that. But instead of embracing Kylo Ren as a bad guy and coming into his own, we kind of use him as a way of showing how strong Rey is off the bat. She ends up beating his ass uh, early on. They end up talking, and now he joins her side. And I was like, that's great. We still need that big bad that it doesn't matter if I hate Ray. I love her in comparison to this person. And when they brought back Palpatine, they didn't, they didn't do that. They didn't create a big bad. They thought they were bringing back a, big, a bad guy, but it's like, oh, you brought back the big show. And I was like, that's great, but I've seen big show get his ass kicked. It's not, right. I've seen him lose to Rey Mysterio. I've seen him lose to these people. So that's not, that's nothing. If mm -hmm. they brought back the Undertaker in the height of his WrestleMania streak, that's different. No one's beat this guy. 
So when they beat him, it's like, holy crap. I don't, I, that, that would have been awesome to me. I agree 100%. That's like the same point that I tried to make to a couple people who were like, um, I'm going to use a wrestling example because it's like the most recent one I could think of, but um, with Bray Wyatt's character with The Fiend, I was always like, it really doesn't matter if he has the belt or not. It really doesn't matter if he you know if you think that he shouldn't have it right now or he should have it right now the fact is he you built him up to be this like unbeatable force and it kind of takes away from like the the mystery of him if I'm seeing him lose to everybody like for me it kind of takes away it from and you know it takes away that thing of like okay I've seen you get your butt kicked now at this point like I, your mystery, this this crazy fiend, supernatural character kind of like loses that for me. Yeah. When trying to explain to people that like, hey, oh, he didn't need to fight for the belt, he didn't need to have a, a match or anything, and I'm just like, well, the only way he's going to establish that he's you know this awesome character that I should invest in is if he's out there kicking tail and mm-hmm. winning because. Of, then that kind of it continues to build that momentum of like you know he can't be beat who can beat him and then no you know it it, it brings that up for interpretation among the fans of like you know who would you put him against who would you put this unbeatable unnatural force against and that's that's one of the one of the main differences between wrestling and any other form of uh, storytelling is there is no end Right. Wrestling's been around since forever, you know? And then uh, when you start making sports entertainment, this fictionalized storytelling in, in, in the ring, you create this, let's say you create Darth Vader in the wrestling world. Mm-hmm. He has to lose eventually. When right. do you pull the trigger? Well, I mean, he's going to be Darth Vader for the next four years. We're going to have all these different shows, and eventually this guy's going to come back out of nowhere and beat him. Oh, I don't want that guy. I want this guy. Oh, don't don't beat him yet. We'll do this. He's got to end sometime. And so, like, the problem is the actor who's playing that character still has to work and support himself, and this is his line of work. Right. And so it's not like here's nine hours of movies. Here's the beginning. Here's the end. Oh, I love this character. Well, that guy still has – he's not collecting millions of dollars on royalties. Mm-hmm. from that he still has to go and play that character so now he's got to either reinvent himself which is hard to do because in wrestling you're automatically typecast unlike other shows where like you can get typecast but you can kind of break away to yeah. break from a typecast character your next character has to be so great that that becomes your typecast and then you have to come up with another one else so like that's always so hard and so you have the fiend the fiend has to lose eventually right. what hero is going to stop him Charlotte Flair has to lose eventually. What hero is going to stop her? Okay, when the hero stops her, what do we do? We can't just fire Charlotte Flair. She knocked that role out of the park. Mm -hmm. So we got to do something else. And so that's always the problem with wrestling that I think a lot of people forget is that you have to look at it like it's a storybook. And like, here's the beginning. Here's the end. I'm sorry the ending happened at Extreme Rules. I know you wanted it at WrestleMania. But the story, I couldn't... 
spread and so they had to choose the direction. Well, now you ruin the fiend. He was going to get ruined. He is, he's a bad guy. He's made to be beaten. Somebody has to beat him. Oh, why'd you have this guy beat him? Somebody had to beat him, man. Somebody had to beat him. The same uh, when Brock Lesnar lost to Goldberg in like a minute and a half. I consider that entire storyline one of the best storylines I've done in a couple decades. And I remember the, the love when he beat Brock Lesnar in, in 90 seconds. And the immediate reaction was the reaction people should get. That jumping up and down like, oh my God, what did I just watched, that's insane. And then you stop and think about it too long and you're like, oh, they ruined Lesnar. Oh, they did this. It's like, did they? I mean, serious, did they? they he lost. He's lost a million times before. You didn't see the bitch and moan when he first started his wrestling a couple in he lost all those matches in a couple years to Angle and Big Show. No one cared. But now he gets built up as this dominant force and you're upset that it's over. Right. A lot of fans, they don't understand their own feelings. And so like they're just upset. And so rather than taking that heat and that anger and putting it on a particular person or character, they just attack the industry or the writer or the people that are booking it. And it was like, I'm sorry you're upset that Star Wars ended. Or I'm sorry you're upset that the Fallout series ended. Or I'm sorry you're upset this character ended. But it had to. Right. It literally had to. They're human beings. They're going to age out of the roles. They're going to get hurt. And I'm sorry, but every now and then people get tired of the same crap. So they have to lose. Mm-hmm. So that's the problem with fans when they consume uh, consumers in the entertainment industry is that they don't understand that about wrestling they have to lose eventually they have to do their hardest to build them back up so that they can lose again and a lot of people don't want to accept that they rather just say oh f wwe f aew they don't know what they're doing they do you just hate the fact that you have to accept loss now yeah You're grieving essentially and a low level of grieving and it like it wasn't the way they wanted it to happen, but kind of like going back to like the whole you know people losing it and kind of coming back from it. Like I like to use Bray Wyatt as a perfect example. He when he came to you know the main roster, he was the beast. He was the top bad guy. Guess what? He lost to John Cena. In time, he eventually evolved into the Fiend. He became even a bigger, badder, you know, bad guy for you know everyone to overcome. And yeah. He did end up losing, you know, I know a lot of people weren't happy about him losing the Goldberg very quickly. I think it was that fast lane, but guess what? He came back and then, you know, he, they did that whole like kind of like redemption storyline with John Cena. So now he's kind of like the big bad guy again, because, you know, he came back even better and, you know, they went back to a previously storyline that actually put him down and kind of moved him back up. So it is all about evolving and just kind of changing your character. Because, yeah, like you said, you can't win all the time. If you do, fans will get tired of it. Brock Lesnar is not going to win every time. And, you know, when he does, people get mad. But then, you know, like you mentioned, he lost and people got mad. So, you know, the wrestling fans are very interested in, you know, and what they want. You know, um, it's just people, and, and that's the thing I will bring up with WWE. People don't realize that WWE has the largest fan base in the whole entire world. 
when it comes to wrestling. And there's so many different fans who all want something different. You cannot cater to any individual person. It's impossible. You could do that with AEW because guess what? All of their fans are the hardcore fan base who want the same thing. WWE has, you know, the kids, they have, you know, women, men, all different ages, everything. So it's a little bit harder to do that. So they kind of, it's a lot more complicated. And like you said, people sit there and say, oh, they don't know what they're doing. They're out of touch. But guess what? They do know what they're doing. You know, it's just, it's not as easy as you think it is behind, you know, the doors. And and, and that's the thing is people think they know what goes on backstage and they really don't. Yeah. That's true. I think a, a lot of wrestlers and a lot of fans, they, uh, for wrestling, they think that their character or their success in wrestling defines who they are as a human being. And I, that's why I've always hated people who say, oh, just your character should be yourself turned up to 11. It's like, I, I disagree. Your character should be, is needed to dictate a good show. It's like, you don't want me turn up to 11, What you want me to go out there and play D&D more so? Yeah. Go <laughs> There's nothing entertaining about it. But at the same time, Daniel Day-Lewis may be one of the most entertaining and greatest actors still alive. But Daniel Day-Lewis turned up to 11 is a cobbler. He's a shoemaker at home. He lives a private life. And so it's the same thing. Be the actor. Be the character. So if, if wrestling, if a certain success in wrestling dictates your happiness and who you are as a person, I say go, go seek therapy. Because this is not what that is. This is your job. This is no different than you going onto this, a play and playing Gaston in Beauty and the Beast. You are not the bad guy in real life. You are not Gaston turned up to 11. You're not some misogynistic jerk. Mm. You're just really good at playing that role. And I think a lot of people forget that uh, about wrestling fans and entertainers. Like, so when they see, oh, they're burying, uh, I'm just going to pull it, uh, Liv Morgan, Liv Morgan. Oh, they're burying Liv Morgan. So she's playing a role. Her, that Liv Morgan is a character that is not who she is they're not going up and kicking her real name the actual person down and out or other down you know oh no I'm, I'm losing all these matches they're treating me like crap and it's like no, the character the character and maybe maybe some of that's true backstage or whatever you can always hear about the rumors but in essence you're just playing a character and maybe they lose a lot maybe they look stupid out in the ring that doesn't mean you as a person are stupid. That doesn't mean the company sees this person as stupid and, they, and they, they're just playing a role. Somebody has to be the victim in all these horror movies, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that these people are pathetic losers that get beat up by a guy in a hockey mask and murdered in a second. You know, that's, that's wrestling. And a lot of people forget that in wrestling. I keep saying wrestling over and over, I'm sorry. But that's just that's what I know. That's any entertainment in the theater. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense. Like, I, I think that's one thing that we, you know, people have lost lost sight of is that at the end of the day, these people go home and they're not Sasha Banks. They're not, mm-hmm. um, you know, Brock Lesnar. They're not Seth Rollins. Like, they go home and they're different people. Seth is not Seth when he leaves WWE. He's Colby. And, like, Colby may be, like, the nicest person in the world, but you got 15 different people on Twitter that – believe that this man in real life is an asshole and you know I think and I can only imagine how hard that can kind of be on people to see you do something in the ring or 
or in the public eye because you're you are a famous person or you're married to someone who's famous and something comes up whether good or bad and these people have you know a bunch of they've decided you are this person because of what we saw you know on Mm -hmm. social media on tv on twitter you know on youtube what have you and it's like you know i can only imagine how hard that is like it can be hard because I can only imagine if I was in that situation, you know, finding myself second guessing myself, like, am I really bad in the ring? You know, I made a really offhand joke. Am I really like, you know, am I really homophobic? Like this person said, or am I really racist? Like this person said, is my significant other racist because I let them say or do, you know, something that didn't mean a lot or, to my mind meant something but to the world it meant something so now I'm a terrible person all because of you know one incident that they see so you know I feel like it probably does you know to your point a disservice to yourself to kind of embody what people think you think you are yeah and uh, it's it's like if it's like if uh the Hollywood industry while you're contracted to play, let's say Iron Man, that Robert Downey Jr. has to be Tony Stark at all times. Yeah. And so that, that's weird, right? If, if you weird. had to see Robert Downey Jr. just be Tony Stark in public until he's done with the Avengers, that's weird, right? But yeah. we expect it in wrestling. And so that's, that's also weird. Like you can criticize wrestling for being fake, staged, choreograph but when it comes to the characters no that's real mm-hmm. so well, do you think that you can choose what's real and what's fake you don't get to like mock the part that's shortening my lifespan and then expect me to actually be this real evil character in real life and so like it's guys it's all fake it's all choreographed it's all planned i do not understand why that is a negative to be seen like that if you can suspend your, your belief for, or disbelief for a couple hours to go s- spend all this money to watch a Marvel movie, why can't you do it for a couple hours for 10 bucks at a local wrestling show and not think that these people are really evil? Yeah, or, I, I well, a theory is that it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of a juxtaposition, right? Because you say suspend your, you, suspend your, you know, disbelief this is all real. These are how these people are. But then at the, on the other side, you're like, you do have to, you know, you understand these people, they know they're real people. And so it's different. It's, I guess it's kind of a little bit of, you're sending mixed messages. And I'm not saying you, I'm saying AW are like, you know, believe this is real for a minute, but don't in real life. And I also, to consider there's no screen, these are people that you can now interact with. These are mm-hmm. people that hear you. So, like, it's one thing to, like, watch WrestleMania on TV. It's another one to be, you know, right there, ringside, and know that someone can hear you. They can hear your, your frustration. They can hear when you're upset with them. It's, like, it's kind of like customer service. It's, like, mm-hmm. people aren't mad at you they're mad at the company if it's really about frustration they're not mad at you they don't know you but they are upset about what's happening Mm -hmm. but they know you're there there's no screen like i can't i can't yell at tony stark 
you know, through an Avengers movie and he'll respond back to me about my frustrations. Now we have seen where people do that to wrestlers, which I think is disgusting and terrible where they'll, you know, yell at them, um, racial remarks, throw things at them because they know that they, they, ha they can't respond. And if you get them mad enough or they may shoot a look your way or positively, um, you know, you'd say, I, you know, I fucking love you, Sasha Banks, and, and Sasha turns around and looks at you and, like, smiles or whatever. It's, like, it's hard to suspend your disbelief at that point when that person is, like, they're playing that character and they're interacting with you in real time. Yeah, and I understand mm -hmm. that. And to me, it's similar to, like, Broadway. Yeah. There's you're, you're standing there in front and uh, you're interacting and yeah, sure. The etiquette says be quiet and just enjoy the show clap when you're, when the time comes to clap. But Danny Zuko isn't Danny Zuko. That's Todd or whatever his name is. Or, you know, that's him. So yeah, they may break the fourth wall every now and then. It's usually faux pas, but like just because they broke the fourth wall to look at you and kind of give you a nod because somebody said something or, Maybe they're like, somebody was being rude and they like broke character for a second and say, shut up, and then go right back to their character. That, mm -hmm. doesn't, that doesn't mean you can't suspend your belief. Like, right. Or that like when that time, when the curtain goes down and people do their bow, they're like, man, I really hate that Kaniki guy getting that girl pregnant and blah, 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 blah. He seems like a scumbag and blah, blah. And they're like, that's not Kaniki. That's, that character's done now. He's, he's, that, that actor's got to yeah. go do something else. And so wrestling is different because once again, it goes forever. And you have to, you have to pitch the next, or sorry, you have to work the next uh, angle. You have to make money and sell these matches. Mm -hmm. it's, it's weird the frenzy that people get into outside of wrestling on like social media or like mm -hmm. people letters to their houses or sending people death threats and things like that. It's like weirdos. Yeah. You're a bunch of weirdos. Like seriously, like. And I yeah, know people I are calling all wrestling fans weirdos, but I'm not. But like, there are people that like you can't stop and realize this is a show. I'm basically doing public theater with you, and you're getting mad at this sock puppet, and you're sending it death threats when it's at home. You know what I mean? It's, it's silly. It's, right. It's silly. <laughs> anyway, like I think the issue with that is like. I think we can all agree that when we were young, when we were kids watching wrestling, I think most of us thought everything was real. Like we thought these characters were who they actually were portraying on TV. So now as adults, we still kind of look to kind of blend reality in with wrestling. And we want to kind of get that youthful feeling, you know, and kind of get that same feeling back when we were younger and kind of like get into it. And, and we want it to be real or want it to feel as real as possible because, you know, that was the excitement of, you know, watching wrestling when we were kids because we didn't know. We really thought this all, we really thought, you know, Stone Cold and The Rock really hated each other's guts and all that kind of stuff. So some people kind of just take it a little too far and actually carry over, you know, their, you know, fandom and just really get into the kayfabe. And you, uh, you would be surprised, may maybe or maybe not, but like, because I've met Alexa Bliss twice, and 90% of the time on TV, she's the bad guy. But when I've met her twice, she's one of the sweetest people in the world. And when I tell people that, they they always seem to be surprised. Like, she's really nice. Like, yeah, th that's not who she is, you know, in real life, you know. And 
people just, you know, like I said, they take it a little too seriously. And like, I look at wrestling as an escape from reality. It, you know, it, it's, it's my happy place. It, you know, it, it makes me feel young again, but then I know these wrestlers, they're just playing a character. And a lot of people, they know that, but then they just don't, but then they just like, I think it's like more of a kayfabe thing. You know, sometimes they just like the, they like to act like they're a part of the show too, I guess. And they get into it on Twitter and, yeah, right. and just take things too far. And then when it comes to like the death threats and send wrestlers letters and stuff like that, that's just I, the, something wrong with you. I have <laughs> because like that's taking things way. Like, do you must really think that these people are assholes for you to do that? Like, it just it just makes no sense why you would take it that far, and, unless you really had that mentality. Yeah, I, I just I think I think I just wish people were mature enough to get built into a frenzy for the show and then calm down and realize when the last bell's rung and when the lights are out, you're walking to your car like, oh man, that was a great experience. I'm going to carry on about my life and not be a dick. <laughs> so, but yeah. that that's hard in this industry because it's, the industry is basically built on a lie. And so it's built on the lie like, oh yeah, it's real. It's totally real. Go spend all your money. Maybe make some bets. Oh, you think this guy's gonna win? Go ahead. I'll take. I'll take those odds. I'm just gonna change the outcome later. I mean, it's it's all it's all carny built on a lie that slowly morphed into a legitimate entertainment. And so, like, do you accept that old lifestyle of like keeping the lie, or do you just full on embrace the fact that this is now a billion dollar industry, the same as any other entertainment? Because if it was real the cops would be called by now, right? Mm-hmm. It seems right. silly. It's like, oh yeah, all these wrestlers got superpowers, but this guy over here played a, a misogynist, so he must be a misogynist in real life. Does that mean the Undertaker's really a fucking like grave digger with superpowers? Um, and so like people need, I, I just, my thing is like people just need to be mature enough to not get too far into their own LARPing and buying into their own character and same with fans to realize this is a show. Stop going crazy. Buy the stuff because you like this character. If you like Darth Vader, you still have all those action figures, right? You like that guy, but he's the bad guy, right? So why can't you do the same? Buy Seth Rollins' shirt, the Monday Night Messiah. He's the bad guy, but damn it, he's nailing that character, right? It's a great mm-hmm. wrestler. Why can't you support him? You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's weird, and like I'll have wrestlers who will listen to this if, you know, and they'll argue with me and stuff like that about the philosophy of wrestling. But it just seems like it's, I don't know, it's, it seems like people just forget that it's a show. And it's, I don't know. Well, <laughs> I'm, rambling. Have, I'm rambling again. I'm sorry. No, I mean, I feel like you answered your own question. I think, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's built on a lie. And I, you know, and I can only imagine being like a company like AEW or WWE and thinking, you know what, we we are the monopoly right now. But like, we, you know, if we were really going to sit here and truly take a stand on, hey, don't be assholes to these people. You know, these are real people. These are not your characters. Our business is going to ultimately flatline mm-hmm. because of the exact you know point that you made that is built on a lie that everything's real while it's on tv while you're there you know until the show ends um i think they just expect people to know that Mm -hmm. so 
there lies the problem. Yep. But, but like, I yeah, I think the other question, I guess, since we're on wrestling, I might as well ask it. But let's just imagine, if you will, gentlemen, if, like, COVID was no longer a thing right now. Um, Matt, you were able to just, like, I was able to say to you, Matt, here's ten, $10 billion. Take it. I don't want it. It's yours. Do what you want with it. You can go wrestle. Um, and you can go to any company you want to, man, wrestle anybody you want to, and you have full say over your storyline and your creative. What would you do? I would go buy an island. You never see me again. Okay. Well, <laughs> no, okay. There um, you go. <laughs> as, as, far as, as far as the industry, uh, you wouldn't ever see me again because I would want to make my own uh, show. Oh, nice. So the way I, uh, the way the philosophy I always had is that if you are behind the scenes working on a show, you should not be a character on the show. It's a, it's a conflict of interest. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you how many shows I've worked at where the Booker's wife was the champion, or the Booker themselves were the champion, or the Booker's husband was the champion. It's like it's always something like that, and we're like, "Hey, man, are you just writing this show to?" make yourself feel good because if that's the case we can go out into a field we can go lark for a little bit and you could pretend to be the almighty mighty mage and we can all save ourselves a little bit of money and hassle but like if you want to put on a show i don't want to see tom cruise direct write produce and star that's selfish dude <laughs> like, yeah somebody else yeah. um but also if i had that much money i would try to change the industry to to appease my uh, beliefs and likes to where I would do it just like Hollywood. I would be like, I'm going to cast Chris Jericho in this part. I'm not hiring Chris Jericho to be Chris Jericho or his real name, uh, which is, or whatever his real name is. I'm casting that person to play this part. Enjoy it. I don't want you to be Matt Palmer. I want you to be uh, Roosevelt this overly sexualized Madonna-like character mm. or narcissist character. Well, that's not, that's not me. Why do I have to make this product and be the same character for the next however many years to go and try to fill the role in each place? Because all these independent shows be like, I don't need that character. I already got something similar. I'm not going to get two. Well, I'm better at it. It doesn't matter. I already got the damn guy. Um, so I would just start casting like you would Hollywood. I'm going to cast John Cena as this character. I'm going to cast Mark Calloway as this character and, and make it public, let them know. And I, I would, I would turn it into essentially kind of like Lucha Underground in, in a way uh, to where it would feel like it's a show. It would feel like, yeah, you get to be there live and you get to do your stuff. Uh, you get, you get to uh, yell and, throw your wad paper and stuff like that but it's presented like a show you don't have to be on in character 24 7 screw that and i also make them sign clauses to where they didn't have any social media because like uh because that's simply like the death of most wrestling and most stuff is because everything becomes insider and yeah. it's like i don't want to know the spoilers to these blockbuster movies just let me see them man Stop shoving all this clickbait in my face and stop spoiler alerting me to all this stuff. All this stuff oh, yeah. such and such is coming back to wrestle Royal Rumble. It's like, 
Edge, you ruined Edge's surprise with all these dirt sheets things. And then like some, you know, all that kind of stuff is like that guy came back after nine years. The, the simple pain that I've had with my health problems just don't even come close to what that guy had. Mm-hmm. And people ruined it. And, and that's, I think that's a lot of social media and people being able to talk too much. Yeah. Interviews. So like that would be another clause. It'd be like, you don't have social media. They don't need to have access to you. It's oversaturated market anyway. You think people are going to go out there and buy a ton of shirts because you're constantly shoving it on your social media feed, but like they're going to buy the shirt because they want it, not because you're advertising it constantly. Exactly. Uh, but yeah. that's my thing. And maybe that's, maybe that means I'll be uh, bankrupt in six months or something like that after $10 million or $10 million. Well, that's, that's, that's what I would do with it. And I also have off seasons too. I, I don't see the reason trying to compete with other billion dollar industries uh, that are seasonal. Like why would I compete with the NBA? Money, money. Yeah, it's, but, it's money, but like at the same time, it's like why am I going up directly against Monday Night Football? Oh, because people want to watch us. But why can't you do both, man? Let them go watch Monday Night Football and you change your hours over here. Why can't you compete in the guest show instead? <laughs> right. I mean, that was, and for me, that's like, God, I could go on a tangent about it. I'm not, because I already done it a billion times. But that was the one thing that really kind of upset me a little bit about a lot of companies. E- like, even with wrestling, AEW and WWE are not, are not innocent in this. Of like, you know, we had this pandemic, come on. But it was like, we we have to con- we have to contribute to the war. We have you know it's money. It's just money, and it's like putting people's health, you know, on the line because we need to basically make money and feed the social media war. And I felt like it was pretty irresponsible for. Yeah. And I think it's irresponsible for any company to do it. Like your you, the health of your people come first. Um, you know, if I had a billion dollars and could run a company me like your health comes first because it doesn't matter how good a product I have if I don't have good people healthy people you know my my product is worthless and and social media has just will only mirror that when you know stuff comes out that you know these people haven't worked to death and you see it in the video game industry where crunch time comes around and social media has made it very clear that like people can go out and be like hey so rockstar basically made me work in this game forever and now i'm like my brain is fried because of it yeah so i totally get that i totally get the one not having social media but also having the off season of just being like take a break if if our product is good people will come back mm-hmm. yeah so. and maybe maybe it's an idea of like two separate shows under the same banner of like, this is the off-season show, and this is the on-season show. Right. Yeah, you think like you, you think like that doesn't make any sense. But like, if my hardest months uh, on my business are February through August or something like that, rather than like drive these guys into the ground, work them with candle, burn the candle at both ends all year. Why don't I just, I know I'm going to take a loss on this. Why don't I just make some changes? I'll get these young kids. I'll get them their time and then they can move up rather than having them all go at the same time. You got, you got raw, you got SmackDown, you got NXT, you got all these other shows all running at the same time. Well, rather than having 12 hours of TV a week, 
Well, I don't only have six hours of TV every week, but during those difficult months, I don't have to pay these guys $250,000 to a million dollars to come out here and wrestle when I could have these young guys who are still trying to cut their teeth and I can still give them a living wage that they can mm-hmm. live with, but I'm not wasting a million dollars if no one's watching because Monday night football's back on or the NBA's back on or hockey or whatever. And so that might be something to explore. Uh, but then again, it, it's hard to say those, those companies, they're billion dollar companies, but that doesn't mean they have a billion dollars under their mattress. That money's always working for them. So if it's not working, they don't have a billion dollars. They're not cash rich. And so it's hard to say. So if you just stop the industry for a while, then people don't get paid. Those people on the injured list, they don't get paid. And so like now, not only are they injured, they're in the middle of a pandemic and they're starving. They don't get to go and work at a McDonald's because they're injured. They can't walk or their arms in a sling or they got a broken neck. And so those, when people always give WWE grief about that, I always, I, I can relate, I can understand, I can empathize. But at the same time, I also look at like, they got these dozens of people on the injured list and they're trying to take care of them. And I'm a, my wife's an example of that and stuff like that. So like the business has to keep going. Otherwise these people are in a bad spot too. They're trying to take care of their own in a way and they can't take care of their own by just giving them money because right. they don't have that money. They have to, it has to keep making money for itself. And so Right. It's so hard trying to talk about the philosophy of wrestling and how to run a business during this time because it's easy to see people or companies as evil because they're doing something that's against your ide- ideological belief. But then you see why they're doing it and they're trying not, yeah, they're trying not to lose their own business. They're trying to keep their money. It's capitalism, but they're also taking care of others. Like, do you want to see all those people on the injured reserve just get fired? Yeah. Sorry, we can't we can't afford to pay you. Now you were this great character, and now you're homeless. You know what I mean? And so it, it's it's hard. It's and and WWE always has that that issue that we all want to hate WWE because they're the best, right? And so like, there's always this like thing in our head that we want to hate them, and maybe it's envy, maybe it's what agree, maybe it's whatever. But at the same time, they're still trying to take care of their people. And so it, it's, it's, hard. it's hard to see the nuance in all of it and not just lump them in. It was like, oh, they're, they're spreading COVID. Oh, they're doing – it's like their intentions could be good, could be bad. It's hard to say. Yeah, no, a, no. a weird time. And, like, it's, it's hard to just lump people in these categories of good and evil. It sucks. It's just – it's – and that's the wrestling industry. It's a gig market. Do we need wrestling? No, not necessarily. But when you're sitting at home dealing with, sorry, learning who you are essentially in private, all you have is maybe you have your essential job. You can't get to see your family and friends. But you guys are the first people I've talked to in a, in a long time that wasn't my life in months. And so you need that escape. It's in, in like it's selfish, but humans are inherently selfish. Right. Like you need something that's going to distract you from the fact that I am not a great human being. I'm just a regular person and I have all my own faults. 
and I, and you start hating yourself. It's like, Oh, I need something to distract me. I'm not meant to just be sitting at home. I'm, I'm a creator. I am an artist. I want to go out there and do stuff or maybe I'm just a worker. Maybe I just like working, you know, I have to feel like I'm contributing. And so this is just a, it's just a shitty time. It's yeah. like every, every, everyone's the victim and you want to just blame somebody, but there's nothing to swing at. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, it's not like this guy, it's not like it's this guy's evil person running the country. Let's go beat his ass. Or this guy over here is, is robbing people and let's go beat his ass. It's something that you can't hit. It's something that you can't swing at and you just have to deal with it. And it sucks because you got 367 million Americans that all have their own way of dealing with it. And, but no one has any empathy anymore. And it sucks. It just sucks. <laughs> no. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. Yeah. And like the thing that you were like kind of talking about, like how like WWE, you know, like fans are hating on WWE and all this kind of stuff. And with them still like going and continuing to show, um, you know, like, like you said, you know, they not only are they trying to keep themselves on the float, but, you know, they do need to pay and take care of their employees as well. And, you know, a lot of people gave them heat for being deemed essential uh, in the central business. Do we need the watch wrestling? To no, but it's also, it's, it's like that beacon of hope for people who are home who can't do anything. We can still tune into all and it still kind of gives us that, Hey, like everything's okay. Kind of feeling do we know what they're doing behind the scenes as precautions? No. Uh, and that's the thing is a lot of people are, you know, they don't know that. And now that some names have been released of people testing positive, who's this, we don't know what, you know, these wrestlers are doing outside of the business. You know, are they being safe outside of the company and all that kind of stuff? So can you really blame WWE for that? You know, if they're doing everything they can, you know, in the arena to take care of everyone, you know, if they, if, so if the Undertaker leaves Monday Night Raw, goes you know and goes out to the grocery store and starts licking the poles or something like that, so I'm, I'm just giving you a weird example. Then that's kind, of, and then he goes to you know tapings the next day and you know starts interacting with you know other wrestlers, and that's kind of him not taking the proper precautions. So I mean, it's it, it's just it's really tough at the end of the day because I get people's mindset like you know, COVID-19, this is serious, you know, unless it's, you know, really, really essential to look after everyone, but like, they technically are because they're trying to, you know, keep people getting paid and because we all need money, we all need, we all have bills, we need, you know, food and all that kind of stuff, so it's, it's, at the end of the day, it's just, it's it's a battle, it's going to go both ways. Yeah, and this isn't, I hope I hope my thought. I'm just kind of just speaking and thinking out loud with you, but like I hope my thoughts aren't like, oh, he hates WWE or he's defending WWE or I'm not doing anything. I just I don't know, and it's a scary time. Like our 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 all of our fates are tied now to each other, and so we're scared and we're like, we want to lump into our own groups. And be like, oh, this is the problem. We gotta fix it. And this is the problem. We gotta fix this. Oh no, you can't do that because this problem's gonna come up down the line. It's like we're a whole bunch of we're a bunch of scared nobodies just trying to yeah. survive. And some of us want to entertain. That's our goal. We want to entertain people. Other people, they want to be entertained. But they don't want to be in front of people. That's not their life's dream. And so I'm 34 years old. I know I'm nearing the end of my wrestling career, and I know that this COVID thing is 
it's going to last however long it's going to last, if not forever. We don't know if there's a cure or nothing like that. We have no clue. And so I literally may have to retire before I'm ever able allowed to wrestle in front of a large group again. That's a scary thought. Yeah. And like, imagine if you never had to go to work again. Not that like, oh, great, I don't have to work. I can be successful. It's that you run the risk of your entire life falling apart out of nowhere. And you want to blame all these people, but like, what's blaming them going to do? You're still going to be sick. You're potentially homeless. You're starving. It sucks. And so like people are just trying to fight this invisible thing the best they can while still trying to carry on their lives and fulfill what they feel like is the meaning of their life. I'm watching reaction videos on YouTube now just so I can remember what it feels like for people to be like, <gasps> or like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like I, I have to do that because I am an entertainer and I don't get that a lot when I'm, when I'm wrestling, I don't get the opportunity to do that as frequently as I like, but now I don't get to do it at all. That's an emptiness inside of you that like, this is my destiny. This is my goal. This is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. And it already has a time limit. Now you add on a sickness and you're sitting there going like, I'll never get to make somebody smile again. There's a potential I'll never get to make somebody stop and forget that this life sucks sometimes, you know? And so like, that's the way it is with everyone with whatever industry or whatever like destiny they feel like they are about to accomplish or they should have been accomplishing, but they can't because they got to sit at home because they don't want to die or they don't want to get sick. They don't want to like kill off grandpa. You know, it's just, sorry, I got sad and I got sad. <laughs> no, it is sad. It's definitely something to think about. And um, I can only imagine really how you feel having to process all that. I mean, but you know i'm sure somebody will shit on me on social media for having these thoughts so (laughs) no i will will literally not allow anyone to do that to you i will fight everybody yeah we have a pretty positive fan base like we don't have a lot of negative people who really listen to the show from my knowledge so i I think you'll be fine (laughs) good that's nice yeah we just we yeah and like we really do want to try and make you know with this podcast obviously you know, your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. JT's truth is his truth. So it's, you know, it's always good to just um, kind of, you know, you don't have to worry about whether or not you feel like you're going to be defending WWE or shitting on WWE or shitting on AEW or defending AEW. Like, it's really all about perspective. And if people can't understand that, I mean, it, this probably isn't the best podcast for them. <laughs> yeah. at least that's kind of like our our philosophy I mean, at least it's mine like I you know I am who I am I'm a regular ass girl I, I just I live life and my my moral compass has led me to believe something and if it's different than yours I mean that that's that's okay and we can continue to have discussions like that and I think that's what makes the podcast fun and yeah Hopefully it was fun for everyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean this I think this was a very fun episode, honestly. Like I, I feel like I learned a lot, like what Matt was just saying about kind of like how scary this is for him as a wrestler, not knowing what the future's gonna be. Like that's things I didn't even really think about. 
So I feel like that will definitely give a lot of the listeners like a, a perspective on just like how like this is not just affecting the industry, but the actual wrestlers, you know. Yeah. So I think this is a very good educational episode. And obviously we geeked out and talked about Star Wars Game of Thrones. So that was yeah. I, I love like go off topic and just kind of start talking about just random stuff. I think that's it's fun because it also allows the you know listeners the fans supporters you know whatever you want to call them it allows them to really learn and get into the head of the actual like wrestler and outside of wrestling because i love learning about my favorite wrestlers and what they actually like and what they're into outside of the business i mean that's just me it's it's fun to relate to the wrestlers and just kind of seeing hey like you said y'all are people too like y'all doing like the same stuff as us so it's just it's always fun learning that stuff yeah yep i agree i agree i always i always like the boundaries like i love my dad but he's got his whole life i don't know everything about him you know (laughs) he's my dad i just love him Uh, how can tell me everything about his life because i don't need to and so like i like that part like i like being able to talk to you i like to be to get in touch with you guys on a human level each other rather than like you know like oh i'm this haughty holier than now wrestler (laughs) celebrity and so like this is this is this is enjoyable these kinds of interactions rather than like the usual uh hate that you get or the people that like try to hold you up to this weird pedestal it's like i'm not better than you i'm just a person man i'm just trying to make it out of here (laughs) exactly I, i couldn't agree more with you all I want to do is collect my $30 and make you smile or hate yeah. <laughs> for two hours and I want to go home and see my wife and family. You know, that's all I want to do. Um, it seems like you're living the dream. You're living your dream. That's really all that matters. Yeah, just trying to be at peace with yourself is all anyone could try to achieve. Yep. Yeah. Right. All right, guys, I have about 15 minutes before I have to do the stream. True. So we're going to let you go. We will let you go. So uh, thank you so much, Matt, for joining us today here on the show at O-Face Wrestling. And Bree, this was your first time get, you know, I'm co-hosting with me with another wrestler. So Oh, was it? Oh, it. Yeah. Cool. I feel honored. Thank you. <laughs> no, I, I like, how, how cool is that to have Matt as, like, the first, like, I don't, I don't it makes so. That's the that's thing. So, that's it's cool to me. It's cool to me. Yeah, I know. I know. That's my truth. So. <laughs> but I, I but appreciate yeah, no, that. it's been nothing but a pleasure. Really, it has. Um, if it, it feels like I made like another friend, that's really how it feels like. It really didn't feel like I was talking. You know, we totally didn't about wrestler. It really just felt like we were just having a conversation as friends, and that's really like my favorite type of interaction with anybody. So. Yeah, I agree. I appreciate it. I agree. Yeah. Thank you, guys. You're welcome. So to end the show, Matt, did you want to share your social media real quick? So um, my Instagram is Palmer is Lost. I am deleting my Twitter uh, the next couple days just because it's it's – I, I can I can see why most major religions see gossiping as a sin, and that's just like, okay, this is this is getting a little out of hand. It's nothing but just hate and just – you know, and it's like, I, 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 mental health wise, I got, I got to back up. I can't keep looking at my phone every 10 minutes. I'm addicted to it. I got to stop. I'll post cute uh, pictures of my cats and dumb things on Instagram and mm-hmm. do that. Um, I have a Facebook, but I re- I'm reserving that just for people who know me as a person rather than my character. 
because I'll say something stupid and sarcastic that everyone else will be like, oh, Matt, you funny person. And then other people think I'm being serious. It's like, oh, no, 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 that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. I don't want to have to apologize. Um, so you can find me as Palmer is lost on Instagram. Uh, Ember Moon has her Twitch where I show up on occasion. It's kind of in the background is like this lost husband is like, hey, what's this button? And I ruin their there goes the name. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't remember. I don't exactly remember. I was trying to look it up earlier, but I didn't want to be rude constantly looking down on my phone. Uh, but it's, it's Ember Moon on Twitch. Um, we follow her. Yeah, well, yeah, I get the notifications every time she streams. Oh, good. Yeah. good, good. It's usually just me yelling in the background. <laughs> that's all it is. Uh, but yeah, that's where you can find me outside of real life. All right, y'all. So make sure you follow um, Matt on Instagram. Um, and then also make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, thank you all for tuning in today. And then one last thank you to you, Matt, for uh, joining us today on O-Face Wrestling. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, guys. No problem. Bye. 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 <laughs>